You having an unnatural allegiance to losers does not like you. Major weather news. John Kimball of Election Profit Makers, one of America's leading podcasts about winning and losing money on political outcomes and current events, is staring down the forces of Mother Nature herself. There is a tornado warning in North Carolina. John, how are you holding up? Oh, I'm fine. We have lots of tornado warnings. We don't usually have them in the winter. Hmm. So this is sort of exciting. It's all across the South. The uh, National Weather Service uh, Severe Storm Prediction Center has been very busy the last couple of days issuing uh, severe weather alerts for various places. And I happen to be in one of them. And we have already had a confirmed tornado in North Carolina. Hmm. Catawba County. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. Kids got out of school early. Don't want anyone to get blown away. Are you having any any like weather or trees falling and stuff? No trees falling. Have you looked out your window and seen uh, Farmer Robert's cow flying by and said to yourself, well, this isn't your average Tuesday morning? So see, one of the things that the meteorologists put out so that normal people can understand what's going on with the weather. By the way, I do have a thing to say about when it comes to weather awareness. People are more weather unaware nowadays than they have ever been before. In the past, you would listen, you would watch your, you know, Bob DeBarta label, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Fischel. Greg Fischel, I remember. Classic, classic North Carolina weatherman. People watched the local news, particularly the local TV news, and then even if they didn't, other people did, and they would hear from those other people. Well, nobody, including me, who's a total news fiend, watches the local weather news anymore. People get their information from these apps, and these apps are just little AI bots, and they don't really explain anything. There's no context to them. Like If you go into the app today and look up Carborough, North Carolina, it'll just say, rain, won't say anything about tornadoes or anything. There might be a little bulletin from the National Weather Service that you have to then go in and click on and it would tell you more. So in this era of division and political polarization, you're telling me Americans can no longer even agree on the weather? I mean, that was the one thing you could talk to anybody about. No, I don't think that we're disagreeing, although we are when it comes to, you know climate change. Mm -hmm. I just think that nobody really knows what's going on. Well, as long as we're talking about the shortcomings of the American citizenry vis-a-vis weather and its prediction analysis and broadcasting, let me make a weather-related confession. I've never understood what the fuck a cold front or a warm front or any of that stuff is. When the when the meteorologist stands in front of their map with all the squiggly shapes and bands of color, I can't tell what the hell I'm looking at. I don't know what any of that means unless there's a little cloud with a little lightning bolt shooting out of it. Then I'm like, okay, it looks like a thunderstorm's coming. I hope Farmer Bob keeps his cows dry. <laughs> But I don't understand any of that other stuff. So I've never had good weather awareness. And frankly, I've never had much interest in the weather. If it's not made by human hand, if it's not a product of human ingenuity and culture and tradition, then what use have I of it? And this applies to, yes, all of nature, because we didn't build it. By definition, it's not interesting. It is only those artifacts which are which are a product of human consciousness that are interesting. Everything else is just 
kind not random necessarily, but just not it can't be interesting. I I hear what you're saying and I and I actually sort of agree with it to to a point that weather like a tree falling in the woods, whether it makes a sound or not, isn't particularly interesting to me except for how it affects Ah, the intersection of weather and society, that's the nexus that sparks your interest. That's right. I I don't think I would really get that exciting to see a tornado just going through a field in Kansas. I mean, I say that and, and it probably might be the most exciting thing ever. But seeing a tornado completely destroy something, now I'm that. I'm there for that. Right. I'm loving that. Is that because you're a um, misanthrope? Do you do you you like seeing people suffer and seeing? No, their... it's it's it's. Uh... You're sexually aroused by destruction. You're a destructive. You have destructophilia. No, oh, I like new. I like things that are interesting and unique and newsy and stimulating and that could be some bad things so it's is that adhd i don't know are you on the autism spectrum i have not been diagnosed but uh i'm certain i'm certainly adhd i certainly have lots of uh you you crave the constant stimulation and updates and breaking news and stuff like that yeah i love it I love it. And that's when tornado when a tornado's coming, does my phone blow up very hard with texts from you analyzing the potential trajectory <laughs> of any storms? And again, you're like But also it's you a send me all these that- satellite maps. It's like, I don't know what this is. This looks like, you know, blobs. And you're like, look, it could make la- it could make landfall two miles south of Wilmington. This could right. be huge. We haven't they won't have seen rainfall like this since nineteen seventy two. When right. Hurricane Dusty came through, that exactly. did two hundred million dollars of property damage. And then you're like, "Here's my notes app." Now you'll see here that I've ranked all tornadoes. At, yeah, in, yeah, hurricanes, in, yeah, hurricanes, hurricanes. Yeah, in, by I've I've sorted them by amount of damage to Wilmington real estate. I think this right. could be a very good year, my friends. A very good year. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. I just like to see. I like to be a part of history, and if something <laughs> comes through and it is not. It doesn't rank anywhere. You're like, okay, well, you know, I saw a hurricane. But if a hurricane comes through and you were happened to be a part of a hurricane that was one of the most destructive or had the highest wind speed, uh, even if it didn't destroy things, just the idea of analyzing and with hurricanes particularly predicting where they're going to go. You can't do any predictions with tornadoes. You have no idea where they're Are they Are tornadoes more chaotic than hurricanes? They're not as damaging and they're not as strong. No, but I mean, in terms of in terms of predicting, you absolutely cannot predict a tornado. You can't track the path of a tornado the way you can track the path of a hurricane. I mean, tornadoes tend to move uh, west to east and you know south to north. So if you are staying, if you are tracking a tornado and you are near it, if you are on the northeast side of that tornado, you're in a pretty dangerous spot. And why do they move in those directions? What is that? Hemispheres or something? Yeah. It's just just how, you know- Santa Ana winds? Yeah. It's just how the fronts, you know, generally move east to west. Okay. Now, just then when you said that, do you have any idea what any of that means? West to east, not east to west. Do I have any idea what that means? Yeah, how the fronts are moving west to east. Like what? 
What is a front? It probably has to do with the spin of the earth. Yeah, here we go. Planetary rotation. Now we're speaking my language. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I think I have one of many hundreds of corrections that I'll need to make this year. Mm -hmm. I think last week I referred to our galaxy. I think I referred to our solar system as the Milky Way. The Milky Way is not our solar system. The Milky Way is our galaxy which is the galaxy in which one may find our solar system. Which is named what? I don't think it has a name. It's really weird, right? It is weird because there are other generic solar systems. Yeah, and then we just say our solar system. Like, what? Let's name this thing. We got all these great planets. We have our sun, our beloved sun. It should have a name. I wonder if in other languages and other cultures, they've named our solar solar system. system. Because when you think about it, Really think about the term solar system, right? This is our solar system. Like, what the fuck are we? <laughs> aliens on Star Trek? Let's let's nail this down. Let's familiarize it, right? It's pretty generic. But then again, we do live in the United States. It's pretty generic. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. On the other hand, the Milky Way, that's so poetic and sensual. I can't yeah. believe they, they signed off on that. That's got to be the, the most erotic name of any astronomical phenomenon, hmm. the Milky Way, right? Imagine you're yeah. an alien. I'm going to do a little comedy bit. Let's see how this goes. Imagine you're, you're an alien and you're looking at all these different um, galaxies that you can invade. One is called Z- Zaldar 6392. You know how NASA runs out of idea and they and they just start naming shit with like letters and numbers? The other well, option I mean, is a lot of them. C394006. Right. And then the third option is Milky Way. It's like, hello, <laughs> I'm about to go to Dairy Queen. <laughs> That's the real Milky Way. <laughs> glad I'm glad we don't have lactose intolerance on planet Zorblor. <laughs> Milky Way. I mean, it's really. If you let your imagination run wild, like that's pretty evocative. The Milky yeah. Way. I've tried things the hard way. Now I'd like to try things the Milky Way. I'm so into astronomy all of a sudden. Let's really name our solar system, John. Let's come up with a good name for it. Yeah, I like that idea. How many planets are there? Eight or nine? I can't remember. Uh, it was the eight, or eight or nine. Okay. But I, but I, yeah, I think uh, Pluto my was very knocked out. What is it? My very earnest mother just baked us nine pizzas. I think that's something like that. That's the mnemonic. Okay. So let's say there's eight planets. Let's just pretend there's eight planets. Eight. Eight is enough. Crazy eights. <laughs> the crazy eights would be a good name for our solar system. Yeah. So maybe we should name it like how the conferences name themselves. We'll just call it the big eight. Oh, that's perfect. Or the, the great big eight. eight. The big yeah. eight sounds great to me. Yeah. It can't be the Milky Way eight because there's probably a billion other Milky Way eights. Right. There's probably so many solar systems comprised of eight planets within the Milky Way because the Milky Way probably has hundreds of solar systems in it. Do solar systems ever merge with one another and oh my do like God. have solar system realignment and add and switch planets and stuff like the conferences? I do know that galaxies merge eventually. I think we're merging with Andromeda. It's not going to be good for us when it happens. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. And then everyone's rotations and orbits gets all messed up? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be bad. Black holes are involved. Oh, my God. Black holes. It's, it's, That's it's the, tri- sec- the yeah. second most erotic astronomical <laughs> term after Milky Way. 
who are the perverts coming up with all this stuff? Stephen Hawking, probably. He probably came up with he, it. Did he name all this stuff? Yeah. And as we found out today, he might, this week, that he might be a pervert. Is that true? What do you mean? You you haven't heard the news? What? You're, you're I know not, he had an affair with his assistant or something. He's no, he sure. was on the Epstein list. Oh, this fucking Epstein list. This list was such a- But I mean, lots of people said that he was, you know, it wasn't just more than, it wasn't just a list. There was, you know, eyewitness testimony. Oh, was I don't that know, in it? Was it? eyewitness, but it was testimony from people who said what they think happened with him. The only name that I'm interested in is Alan Dershowitz, because he really seems to be in front of this story. He's always ready to come out in front of the Epstein stories and defend himself. And sometimes his arguments seem a little, hmm, I don't know Dumb. what I would say. Well, what was the one that you sent me? He was talking about Jewish people? Or what was he talking about? He Why don't okay, all these prostitutes not... condemn Hamas or something? Like, what was he doing? He was saying some weird stuff. I think he said all of these woke... Uh, left-wing liberal feminists are criticizing me for having sex with children when uh. they – he didn't say sex with children, but he was saying criticizing me for this Epstein business mm -hmm. when they are hypocrites because they are not uh, criticizing the rape of women and children in Palestine. Huh. Okay, I understand. I understand. I definitely understand why he said that. Right. I mean, what else are you going to say? <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. You know what? It seems stupid when he said it, but... Like, what right. else do you want what, him to what say? What could you say? Yeah. If you're going to say anything, you might as well say that. I that's wouldn't a guaranteed say winner. Given the options, that's the one I would go with. What else can I say? Remember one time he was like, well, I always got massages on that island, but I was always wearing my underwear pants or whatever. I think he said underpants. I always yeah. kept my underpants on. When you're okay. talking about when you're using that excuse that you kept your underpants on. Usually probably, you're, you're probably found in a pretty good situation if your defense is, but I kept my underpants on. Yeah. It sounds like something out of Charles Dickens. Well, you know, he wasn't the only one. Also, Clinton's name is out there. And uh, Are you talking about Bill Clinton? Bill Clinton and then of course um you know Donald Trump's name is is out there as well. You're talking about so, President Donald Trump? Yeah, former President Trump. I guess he's honorary. You always can call him President Trump. I think that's how you do it. Yeah. Do you think Donald Trump could name every planet in our solar system? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he could put them in order? No. I doubt he could name all the planets. This is uh, on the on this hill. I take my stand. He's going to forget about Mercury. Really? That's my prediction. He's going to forget about Mercury. Mercury's a very easy one. It's right. It's right here. I mean, it's right in our neighborhood. Well, what's the one you that's know? out by um, Pluto? Venus. No, Neptune. So, He's going to forget so see, about. I don't Neptune. even know if I could do them in order. Okay, so it's Mercury, Venus, Earth, uh -huh. Mars. Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, now we're getting out of the neighborhood. Now so it's just a big the, blob. Kind of. Uh, so what's after Mars? This is good content. Let's slow this Saturn? down. Let's, re let's really savor this content. Saturn? Because I didn't... I didn't uh, You're saying Saturn comes after Earth? Bruh. I don't think so. No, 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 no. Mars comes after Earth. Right. Yeah. Jupiter. Jupiter's Saturn. next. And Neptune. then... Neptune. Neptune, Pluto. Uranus. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah. 
Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. Yeah, well, I don't think we got any of those right. Whatever the hell Pluto is. Uh, well, this has been a good episode so far. I say we keep the momentum going and keep having a great time. What do you think? I'm going to put in our little de -de 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 sound. Okay. Now pretend we're come back out of it. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So we really had a great time talking about tornadoes and the Milky Way and all this other kind of stuff. But, John, let's turn now to the what the purported thrust of our podcast. It is, after all, called Election Profit Makers. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to talk about um, the fact that I did something today that I had mixed feelings about. On the one hand, it made me excited. On the other hand, it made me a little nervous. John, for the first time in years, I have deposited money into my Predictit account. Folks, it's 2024. It's an election year. Let's all make some money on the election. <laughs> Okay. I deposited more than $100. It's on, okay? But depositing the money on Predict It Now, I don't know the last time you've done it, John. I had to send them a photo of my face and my ID and stuff. It didn't used to be like that. They're tightening it up. Yeah, but I think it, the turnaround's pretty quickly. No, it was right? instant, but I felt very, very unsettled because I did it in the morning. And when they asked for my selfie, I was wearing my bathrobe. So I kind of clutched the, the neck of my bathrobe clothes so I wouldn't look like a total maniac Wait a with minute. my bed. They asked for a selfie? Yes, because they have to compare your live photo to your photo ID photo. I'm telling you, John, it's they're, they're tightening up. Okay, last time I did it, I sent in my my ID, but I, I did not send in a selfie. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Well, they should know who we are. We shouldn't have to send any of that stuff. It's like when you go to the bank, you know, they don't look at your ID if they know you. Right. If you're if it's a community bank and you're a longtime customer, yeah, they say, "Come on in, Mr. Kimball. Take as much money as you want." Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. We have the Iowa caucus just six days from today. We're recording this on Tuesday, January 9th. The caucus is on Monday the 15th. Latest 5.30. And this is why I deposited money, because last week we were talking about whether Ron DeSantis in second place was a safe bet, either yes or no. Looking at the Iowa caucus chart on 5.38, we have Trump at 51.3, DeSantis now at 17.2, with Haley at 15.8, Ramaswamy, the famous rapper, Bringing up the rear at 7.1. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot to mention Chris Christie at 3.4 and Asa Hutchinson at 0 0.7. John, we are looking at a, what is this, 51 minus 17. That is a 2,000-point spread. On the other hand, DeSantis versus Haley, that's a difference of less than two points. So what's my play here, John? Should I invest in Ron DeSantis either yes or no when it comes to Iowa caucus second place winner. I, I'm I'm not going to invest in just outright in DeSantis or Haley. It's just they're just too close and too many weird things can happen. I mean, you know, weird things could happen and Trump might not win, but I, I think that's extremely unlikely that 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 Trump doesn't win. DeSantis on Predictit for the second place market in Iowa, currently trading at 55 cents, up two over Nikki Haley at 40. I think this is a great opportunity. As you know, I like to play negative risk where you just go no, that it's Ron DeSantis and you're also no on Haley and also no on, on Ramaswamy. 
and try to buy those when they surge to this highest point. So DeSantis is right now. And if you want to buy no on DeSantis, uh, he's at 55 cents. Yes, right now. You can get him for 45 cents. And then maybe when the results start to come in, Haley is going to surge. And then if you can get her at a cheap price. A cheap no price, we should. A cheap no price. Right. Then, as you know, if it all adds up to more than a dollar, then there's no way you can lose. More than a dollar plus the 10% fees that predicted takes. If anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, just go back and yeah, Google negative risk election profit makers and, and there's a uh, episode where we discuss that in, in detail. But I think this is a negative risk play. I don't want to do that because that's too complicated. I just want to invest in one candidate. I like the personal connection, the emotional connection. You know what I mean? Uh, you see, I grew up it, it, in, a, I, in, a, you, in a galaxy called the Milky Way. So I mean, I'm it's very a, it's emotional and sensual. You buy yes in, in DeSantis at second place, it's not a great return. So what are the factors to consider? One that I've heard is that it's going to be incredibly cold in Iowa on Monday, which will discourage people who are kind of, you know, less hardcore about their candidate from coming out to caucus. Now, whose supporters at this moment in time are more likely to brave these freezing cold temperatures and inclement weather to support their candidate. We know Trump supporters will follow him to the ends of the earth. Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley? Uh, I kind of think that's going to determine who's the second place winner. I think if that has an effect, which I'm not sure that it will, because I think Iowans are pretty tough about braving that you know, harsh weather. If it did have an effect, I would think that the Nikki Haley supporters would be more hardcore than the Ron DeSantis supporters. I don't know why I'm saying I'm just thinking that the Nikki Haley supporters are just like big time never Trump people. Hmm. DeSantis supporters would always have Trump, I mean, as their safety. Right. So if they're like, oh, it's too cold, I don't want to get out of bed. Well, even if Ron DeSantis loses, Trump will still win. And Ron DeSantis is just like a Canal Street knockoff version of Trump. So I'm fine either way, right? That's sort of what I'm thinking. Ron DeSantis is like the Fendi bag where the Fs don't line up. Ladies, do you follow? I thought so. I know a lot about um, um, counterfeit fashion. Did you know that about me, John? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to, in this moment, oh, boy, I really want to get into this market. Nikki, ha I think Nikki Haley at 40 cents is underpriced as the second place winner in Iowa. We still have a week away, a week to go, and the momentum seems to be on her side. I'm buying 100 shares, yes, at 39 cents. God help me, Kid Midas is back on his surfboard, folks. It's 2024. We have officially been activated. I am all, right. all in on Nikki Haley, second place Iowa caucus winner. Come on, Nikki. All right. And I just saw you buy those, I think. I know. This website is so dead. We can probably I track know. each other's movements in so, real time on the website. <laughs> I'm going to fade you and I'm going to buy a hundred shares no on Nikki Haley. This is what we call a radio drama. Yes. The stakes could not be clearer. The differences could not be more stark. And yet both hosts are equally beloved by their listeners. How do they do it? Election profit makers for your consideration.
Golden so Globes 2024 Best Podcast. What my plan is, is that when the results start to come in or more news comes in, and of course, this won't work if Haley ends up surging. Right. Uh, but if she starts to fade away and then I've got her locked in already as a no at 60 cents. Yeah. And then DeSantis can rise all the way up to 80 cents and then I can buy no's of him for 20 Sounds like you got everything all figured out, John. I don't know. We'll see. There's just one thing you didn't count on. The incredible surge of one Nikki Haley. You think it's going to happen? I think she's going to win second place. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't know. Yes, I do. I do. No, I'm going to. One thing I'm going to do in 2024 is speak with authority on at all times and on okay. all matters. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let me take that good. again. There's one thing you didn't count on, John. The surge of one Nikki Haley. Who will be the Iowa caucus second place winner? Uh, okay. All right. You could be right. John, it's time for our little doot, 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 doot sound. And we're back. We are back. <laughs> okay. Okay. What else are we going to talk about on this episode of our podcast? Well. It looks uh, like someone sent in a correction or something. Oh, my God. Yeah, I got a little excited last week thinking I had discovered something about... <laughs> You know, being a part of history and, you know, about the college football playoff and two teams playing from a blue state. And I said that that had not happened a blue versus blue state since the 1998 national championship game, which actually was played in 1999 because it's played in January between Tennessee and uh, Florida. Because in that year, both of those states had voted for the Democratic presidential candidate. That's right. It was a different era. And what I neglected oh, to boy. do was to oh, God. look at 2014. And the, the 2014 national championship game was between Ohio State and Oregon. And I was thinking Ohio State was red at that point. But Ohio State, as we all know, I mean, Ohio, it, uh, it went for Obama both times. And, and Ohio has, has been red since then. So really everything um, – the 2012 map was exactly the same as the 2008 map with the exception of North Carolina and Indiana. Both of those flipped back Blue to Blue back to red, right. That's right. So I was thinking that Ohio had flipped back, but it hadn't. So I, I was – I'm incorrect and um, – I thank our listener for for pointing that out. Who was the listener? Listener Ed. There we go. Yes. Listener Ed on the Discord pointed it out. Ed, short for educating John Kimball about one of his errors. That's right. I don't I don't mind being wrong. That's what sets us apart from those other podcasts, John. We revel in being wrong and we are always we always like to correct our mistakes and our misstatements. True dat. <laughs> Are you watching, you know, Trump in court right now? Have you any idea how furious I am? Remember when Elon Musk's mom tweeted that? That's yeah, so tough. Yeah. I've been thinking about that all week. Have you any idea how furious I am? Sorry, what were you, you were going to ask me about Trump. Is Trump on TV right now? Yeah. Well, his lawyers are, are arguing that, um, I don't know, 
that he should have immunity for I everything swear to God, man. he was making official acts. And then the judge came out and said, well, if he if he used SEAL Team 6 to assassinate his political rival, wouldn't that be an official act? And Trump's attorney was like, well, he wouldn't couldn't be held uh, responsible for that. He couldn't couldn't be taken to court for that unless he was impeached for it. So this week. I realize that there's too much, um, there's too many lawsuits and shit going on. I mean, I don't mean like too many, like it's inappropriate or unwarranted. I mean, like it's too much for me to keep track of. Right. I want to be like Donald Trump, get ready for another lawsuit because I'm going to sue you because you, because I can't keep up. You're making me, you're making me tired. He's losing appeals every day or like every single court is like, I see some headlines like Trump team appeals, appellate court decisions, Supreme Court next. And it's like, I don't know what, which one is this about? Why are you going to sue him? It's not his fault. Which he's not case suing himself. He's getting it's it's everyone else's fault. It's no, it's deep, his, it's, it's no, it's because he's filing a hundred lawsuits a day or a hundred appeals he's or whatever. He's defending himself just to slow everything from down. It's like mob. get on with it. Oh my god! No, he doesn't want to get on with it. This he's, guy is. So, I'm so over this guy, y'all. Uh, I'm you are? so over him. You are. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's going away. <laughs> he's he's ever going. I mean, is you he know, getting he w- sued at all? Is he fucking <laughs> up very much? It's like, come on. Look, he's got to. If he wins, if he wins the presidency, all these lawsuits go away. I know that's true. That would be the one good thing about Trump becoming president and becoming our first official authoritarian leader. Is that at least we could? At least I wouldn't feel compelled to keep up with all these damn lawsuits because it's like, right. it's like you know, like when your friends talk about Game of Thrones and you've never seen Game of Thrones, and then you they you all go out to brunch together and like remember when Aragon of the Red slew the the dragon egg that had been held by the by the the, the what are those guys who live in the desert the Dakar the, the mm. Dakar Noir. Uh, Egg harvest and Decor, Decar Noir, isn't that a, the uh, the Delthra? The remember the Delthra again? Remember when that one blonde kid jumped out the window? It's like I can't tell what's happening. You get so exhausted. You That's didn't how watch I feel. Game of Thrones. I I watched episodes here and there, but I couldn't have told you what was going on. Right, it was just a bunch of horses and. It was just swords. a bunch of horses, man. It really yeah. was. Yeah. It was just a bunch of horses. Yep. Oh, speaking of the Milky Way and horses, I know we've talked about this before, but here's a throwback to our listeners because we're playing it nice and loose today. Remember the Westworld opening introduction when they made horses out of milk? Y'all, that was so awesome. I don't remember that. That was really wild. Yeah, they had like this um, 3D printing liquid stuff. It looked like milk or heavy cream and they would build horses out of it. That's the Milky Way right there. A milky horse. Fly- oh, that Pegasus, of course. Pegasus is a horse that flies across the Milky Way, yeah. right? The famous constellation. Yeah. Pegasus. God damn. You know what? If you're listening to this in the car, honk your horn if the election profit makers are on fire. <laughs> I wear some some Nike Pegasus. I've been rocking those forever. I did want to note that as we turn our attention to the big show, which is the presidential election, last week, Biden gave some speech about Trump being bad for democracy. And Trump has been talking about the January 6th hostages and New York State's own, what's her name, Elise Stefanik, the woman who's got more Ivy League college presidents fired than anyone else, is also using this language of the J6 hostages. We got to release these hostages. It's, yeah. That's good. I mean, that's clever. It is. It's good. You got to give credit. 
yeah. for that. That They're, is some bad Once again, behavior. Republicans are crushing Democrats in framing and language Hostages. and all that. George Lakoff. Who was the guy who wrote the elephant yeah, book? George Lakoff? Lakoff, yeah. yeah. Don't think of an elephant. They came out of the John Kerry defeat being like, oh, the whole thing is we just have to get better at framing. God, dude, we're talking just about stuff that was 20 years old. We're old. Stuff that people in 2004 wouldn't even know what we were talking about. The don't think no that was in that book and I know that was disc- pretty hot that was in every airport in America that in uh, in uh, who was the guy what's the matter with Kansas Thomas Frank yeah got to throw in book. another little book called on bullshit was that book blowing up very hard yeah. in the airports when that philosopher wrote that book about bullshit yeah man yo John and now we got to give credit to the king of kings lies and the lying liars who tell them <laughs> by Al Frank <laughs> <laughs> and what about dude. Where's, Where's my, my country? country by Michael Moore. He always had oh, his man. finger on the pulse of pop culture. Yeah. Because there had been a famous movie at the time. This is for the younger listeners. There had been a famous movie at the time. It was a comedy. It was called Dude, Where's My Car? The premise was two guys wake up after a bacchanal and realize they don't know where their car is. Michael Moore was a documentary filmmaker, and he made some famous movies, including Fahrenheit 9-11, which won the best documentary Oscar that year. But he wrote a book called Dude, Where's My Country? He didn't recognize the country he'd grown up in, I guess. I mean, it's a good yeah. name for an airport book. No, there was some good stuff. And then I think Franken, I think Franken's first book was Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh is a big, is a big fat, fat idiot. idiot. And then Limbaugh oh. lost a bunch of weight after that. Yeah. Completely put him in his place. Yeah. Limbaugh kind of owned him on that one. Yeah. But Limbaugh's dead now. So, <laughs> so I guess Al Franken has the last laugh. I mean, Al Franken, you know, he's been disgraced himself, uh, but he's alive. Yeah, that's true. At the very least, he's still alive. Did you know that Noam Chomsky – have you ever read – so no, let's get back to the Epstein list as long as we're talking about disgraced Noam public Chomsky's on the Epstein list? And it's not just that. So New York Magazine was going through and they had like a – like who's on the list? And they were listing all these people, some of whom are famous like Dershowitz obviously, some of whom I'd never heard of where it's like – this is uh, Google's chief operating officer or something. Noam Chomsky is on the list. And New York Magazine called Noam Chomsky. Noam Chomsky was so salty about it. He was like, not that it's any of your business who I associate with in my private life. Noam Chomsky, <laughs> this is so, this is a bingo moment. This is a bingo moment. Noam Chomsky flew on Epstein's jet to New York to have a lunch with Jeffrey Epstein and Woody Allen. <laughs> and Noam Chomsky got pretty happy when New York Magazine was asking him about that. And also, Noam Chomsky had been married to his wife for many, many years, and she died. And Epstein had... there. One of the other things in these Epstein um, tranche of Epstein documents was like a transfer of like over $100,000 or something from Epstein to Chomsky's bank account. So they asked Chomsky about that. And again, he's like, not that it's any of your business, but he said he had done no financial planning his entire life and that Epstein helped him figure out how to con- configure some funds or trusts or something. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Noam Chomsky is on the Epstein list and of a- and he's more defensive than Alan Dershowitz about it. Mm, it doesn't sound like he's more defensive. Let me find the actual quote because it's really funny. I was – I mean well, – hold on. And I'm again, it doesn't mean being on this list. No, it doesn't mean does not anything. mean that he was on the island having sex with girls who had been trafficked. 
That's right. Some of the people, it might mean that, but it's all alleged. You ha- And you have to imagine this reply. You have to imagine this reply in Noam Chomsky's voice. You know how Noam Chomsky always has, always sounds like he's smiling and he has like a real lilt to his voice? <laughs> you, know how, <laughs> you know how he's always chuckling like uh, Jimmy Fallon? They should do a yeah. quiz called, who, whose voice Definitely. is this, Jimmy Fallon or Noam Chomsky? Yeah. Because he's always like, as any serious uh, reader of the news will know, uh, Kissinger is responsible for genocide and no further argument is required. Like he really is like, he will really shut shit down. Okay. Here. Okay. So it was, I misspoke. The article I read is on the New York mag website, but it was the wall street journal that contacted Chomsky about being on the Epstein list. Okay. Okay. According to these documents, Epstein arranged several meetings with Chomsky in 2015 and 2016 when he was at uh, teaching at MIT which is a place that Epstein had donated hundreds of thousands of dollars in an attempt to be seen as a smart, smarty pants. The scheduled meetings included a gathering of academics as well as a flight with Epstein aboard his private jet to New York to have a dinner at his townhouse with film director Woody Allen and his wife, Sunyi Previn. When the journal asked Chomsky about the meetings, the 94-year-old replied in an email that his, quote, first response is that it is none of your business or anyone's. Second is that I knew him and we met occasionally. Chomsky said he and Epstein discussed politics and academics and, quote, if there was a flight, which I doubt it would have been from Boston to New York, 30 minutes. I'm unaware of the principle that requires that I inform you about an evening spent with a great artist. I assume he's talking about Woody Allen there and not Jeffrey Epstein when he says the great artist. Right. A follow-up report from the Wall Street Journal showed that Chomsky received a transfer of about $270,000 from an account linked to Epstein in March of 2018. Chomsky explained by email, quote, my late wife died 15 years ago after a long illness. We had paid no attention to financial issues. We asked Epstein for advice. The and simplest, he gave them money? The, simplest the advice way, was, I'll give you money? <laughs> the simplest way seemed to be to transfer funds from one account in my name to another by way of his office. Uh, now that I don't understand. I don't either. If you have both accounts, why do you need to transfer through Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah, that Epstein would want to do that and have that pass through. You're just going to deal with more IRS issues. Noam Chomsky on the Epstein list. Noam Chomsky, I think, must really need money because he's also you ever you know those you know you ever get those ads for something called Masterclass, where it's like Bobby Flay teaches you how to cook in the kitchen or. Ron Howard teaches you the principles of storytelling. They get all these super famous people in their field to teach a class. Yo-Yo Ma teaches you music theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw one the other day with fucking Noam Chomsky sitting there. Hmm. Looking haggard with his big, beautiful beard. It's like, what is he going to teach me? Well, I mean, when you live to be that old, you, it, you, st- you, you can run out of money. I guess you can. Yeah, expenses can, expenses can accrue. Definitely. Right. But a Noam Chomsky masterclass... Noam Chomsky teaches you the art of small talk, sparkling small talk at a cocktail party. I want to take that masterclass. What do you think we would learn? Noam Chomsky, what an interesting guy. I, I What has Noam Chomsky done recently where I feel like maybe it's just that he's gotten old? And he, was making... one of the vo- he was one of the voices in Wish, that Disney animated movie. What? 
He did voice acting in a Disney movie recently. Oh, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm yeah. just doing a goof. That was a good goof. That was that was beautifully done. So, I mean, so he's famous for like you know me lie. No, that's um. Who am I thinking of? You're thinking of the guy who went crazy, Seymour Hirsch. Oh, okay. Noam Chomsky was never but, a journalist. But, he but was he, like a synthesizer he, of news, and he's famous for manufacturing consent. He's famous for teaching everyone about East Timor. Okay. He was definitely an anti-Vietnam War activist. Yeah. I, I just think of him in Vietnam. Yeah, I conflated him with with Hirsch. No, Seymour Hirsch is, was an investigative journalist. And Hirsch has kind of gone insane. It seems like in his old age, he's gone a little loopy. Right. Yeah. Okay. But Chomsky hasn't. Well, I don't know. Maybe not loopy, but he seems crabbier than usual, even for him when the subject of Jeffrey Epstein comes up. I, look, man, I'm Especially not Especially as it, someone who has made a career out of analyzing power and the hidden structures that drive inequality and injustice. It's like you're, you're living now in your in your the paradigm you're always talking about. You can't get mad when a journalist reaches out to you about, hey, what are you doing hanging out with this sex trafficker? Come on, Gnome. Come on, Gnome. Get it to do better, Gnome. Do better. Yeah. That'd be a good t-shirt. Do better, Gnome. Gnome teaching this masterclass. I've got to take this. Is anyone, will someone write me and tell me how masterclass works? It's like you pay to watch a video. Do I have to subscribe? I don't care what all these other people are teaching. I just want to know what Gnome Chomsky's spitting. I hope he's spitting hot fire. How to spit hot fire. Your your course instructor, Noam Chomsky. If anyone has taken a master class in any subject, I would love to know what your experience was, and I would love to know how much it costs. You can email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. We could crowdfund, John, the two of us taking the Noam Chomsky master class. I don't really know if I want to. But don't you want to learn from a great teacher who's in his 90s? I mean, this guy, you know, was not only a path-breaking linguist with his deep structure um, theory, but he was also one of America's leading public intellectuals. This but is the guy like who people like the, William F. Guy... Buckley was going to beat up, remember? Now we're talking right, about the debate between right. William F. Yeah, Buckley and yeah. Noam Chomsky. You're complaining that I'm talking about airport books from 20 years ago. Let's talk about controversial literary feuds on, that were on black and white television. Oh, we just had a 56-mile-per-hour uh, <laughs> gust. God damn, this is the best episode we've ever made. Yeah. We are absolutely on total fucking fire right now. I'm telling you, it's possible that I'm going to lose power. So. so when you, all right, so at any moment, this episode could end tragically. It's possible. Control and domination. That's the goal of all power systems. They can be resisted and should be. I'm Noam Chomsky, and this is Masterclass. All right, should we get to listener questions? Oh my God, please. I'm dying for some listener questions. Okay. We got a lot of listener questions or... Okay, well, let's read this first one. We got a listener question from John, former Mecklenburg County volunteer firefighter. This is the guy who wrote in and said that he had been a volunteer firefighter for Mecklenburg County and that they had to call the Carolina Raptor Center to deal with a stuck hawk. You're right. And you could not believe that Mecklenburg had a volunteer firefighting department. 
So this this gentleman wrote back. Yeah, he he, he says, thanks for sharing the story. It's a bit unusual to think of Mecklenburg County being served by volunteer fire departments, but there are many. The most straightforward are the several towns in Mecklenburg County served by volunteer departments are Cornelius, Huntersville, Davidson, Matthews, Mint Hill, and Pineville. But there are also several volunteer departments within the Charlotte city limits. And others serving- that sound you hear is John Kimball's jaw hitting the floor. That's right. I mean, the Charlotte, but the Charlotte city limits are pretty big. It's like 308 square miles. It's uh, so, yeah, others serving unincorporated areas of the of the county. It is related to the history of Charlotte's urban sprawl. Many areas that are now part of the city of Charlotte have volunteer fire departments that predate the annexation of those areas by the city. These departments still respond alongside the Charlotte City Fire Department. Examples in that category are Mallard Creek, Long Creek, and Cook's Community. God, this dude is spitting nothing but facts. And then unincorporated areas of the county served by volunteer fire departments are Robinson and West Mecklenburg. So, I don't know, he goes way, way more into detail, which I love, but I don't know Keep if anyone going. else is going. Oh, my God. Everyone is in a state of absolute ecstasy right now, pumping their fists in the air, saying it doesn't get any better than right. this. All right. So, he continues, there are also some departments that serve multiple municipalities, like the Idlewild Fire Department, which provides coverage to both Mint Hill and Matthews. Unbelievable. The Patchwork- Idlewide Fire Department holding it down in Mint Hill and Matthews. That's right. The patchwork is an after effect of a rapidly growing urban area in which previously rural and unincorporated areas were served by non-municipal voluntary associations organized to provide fire service. And then when these areas were overtaken by city boundaries incorporated as towns, these existing departments continued to operate. I think he sort of just said that up above. Um, so... Mm. Yeah, maybe we could edit that a little bit. I'm not editing shit. This entire episode is spun gold. I'm not touching this edit. John, we put a call out for Skyline poems. And we've gotten some good ones. We're going to space them out over the course of this decade. But Ken wrote in with a true banger by one William Wordsworth. Can you believe that was the guy's name? This guy's a poet and his name was Wordsworth. What are the odds? William Wordsworth. God, is that name crushing very hard? (laughs) Are there very many W's? And also, he's nothing but W's. William Wordsworth. This guy's winning, coming and going. Okay, anyway. Ken writes in and says, this might be one of the earliest poems that mentions a skyline. This poem, John, is very infra-based. It's called, the name of the poem is Composed Upon Westminster Bridge, September 3rd, 1802. God, William Wordsworth coming out swinging. Let's give this a let's give this a read through. Earth has not anything to show more fair. Dull would he be of soul, who could pass by a sight so touching in its majesty. This city now doth like a garment wear the beauty of the morning, silent, bare. Ships, towers, domes, theaters, and temples lie open unto the fields and to the sky, all bright and glittering in the smokeless air. Never did sun more beautifully steep in his first splendor, valley, rock, or hill. Ne'er saw I, never felt a calm so deep. The river glideth at his own sweet will. Dear God, the very houses seem asleep, and all that mighty heart is lying still. 
William Wordsworth, nothing but dubs. That uh, was beautiful. Ships, towers, domes, theaters, and temples lie open unto the fields and to the sky. He's totally shouting out a skyline. That's terrific. Yeah. I Yeah. You know, I never really think of a, a skyline being timeless, but obviously, you know. The pyramids? They, the pyramids. Come they were on, built y'all. like when? Like the 1700s? The 1700s. Yeah. yeah. No. No. I think they were um, built way before that. Think of the skyline of London. Think of how old those buildings. Think of the skyline of Rome. Think about all that shit they have in Rome in Italy. Yeah, but hundreds what, what, of years old. Yeah, but nothing tall. Yeah, that's true. Fuck them. Um, let's let's return to my favorite topic of a conversation um, this season, which is the majesty and um, melodramatic satisfactions of the movie Maestro by Bradley Cooper. We had talked last week about Bradley Cooper's hot streak of he's two for two when it comes to making musical melodramas that focus on the relationship between two musicians. And then we did a little bit where we said, wouldn't it be so great if he made a movie about Mike Watt, the former bassist of the Minutemen, and Kira Rosler, former bassist for Black Flag? Can you imagine anything more spectacular and silly and fun? Well, listener Nathan wrote in to let us know that, (laughs) amazingly, Bradley Cooper and Kira Rosler have worked together because Kira Rosler, when she put down the bass, became, I had completely forgotten this, an Academy Award-winning sound editor. She works in the sound department of movies. She was part of the team that won the Oscar for a little movie called Mad Max Fury Road. Wow. Kira worked on that movie, and she won a freaking Academy Award. And Nathan reminds me, or I should say Nathan teaches me, Kira actually worked in the sound department for A Star is Born. So it is conceivable that Bradley Cooper and Kira already know each other. We are so close now. We are so close. And John, I thought about this the other day. I've I've spent time with Mike Watt in the past. We've hung out a couple times. Yeah. Mike Watt used to be married to Kira. Kira worked for Bradley Cooper. Therefore, what am I, two degrees away from Bradley Cooper himself? I think one degree. One degree. Can you or imagine? Is one degree when you're, you? I don't know. I don't know how it works. I think I'm one right degree there. from you. Okay. Isn't that how, or six degrees of separation. It was a play. And then it became six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It was the same play, but that was the year that Kevin Bacon starred in. So, you, so you're one degree from everyone. No, you're six. Well, the, the theory is you are six degrees of separation from every other human on earth. Right. And you're one degree from everyone that you know. I guess that. Or maybe that's zero degrees. Maybe you're that's only zero I'm degrees thinking. from your- oh. See, I'm thinking, is it zero or one? But anyway, it's zero or one. You know, it's like mile markers. The first mile marker is not one. Here we go. It's zero. Ooh. Making no sense. That makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. That sucks. Is that really true? I mean, so how that's, you know, that's why we didn't celebrate the millennium until 2001 and there was no no hoopla in 2000 because that technically wasn't the millennium. <laughs> okay. That's not how I remember it. Are you being yeah. serious right now? You're joking, right? No, but I mean, I'm not joking about the the fact that the year did not. Never mind. Oh, Jesus, man. We didn't start on a year zero. Yeah, you're gaining right now. You're <laughs> digging yourself into <laughs> such a, a hole. These numbers are kicking your Wait ass a minute. so we hard right now. We didn't start on a you year zero. You have no zero. idea what you're talking about right now. We didn't start on a year zero. But This is but, what you sound like. But our ages the year are- 2000 We started a a year, di- with a year zero. John, what? Just when you celebrate it. your first birthday, is that the day you're born? No. Exactly. Listen to the numbers, y'all. Enough out of you, John. All right. So Bradley Cooper or Kira, 
get in. Let's make this happen. This could be such a fun project. This could really be a fun project. The mic, it's called Dose. And, 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 um, you know what the tagline is? It's a low frequency romance because they both play bass. And it's oh, Mike Watt and yeah. Kira. And they, they get to know each other when Black Flag, uh, when the Minutemen were opening for Black Flag on a European tour, an infamous European tour that's immortalized in Henry Rollins' book, Get in the Van. What year um, was that? Oh, gosh. Probably like 82, 83. I think 82. it was both of the band's first European tour, and there was a lot of violence and, and meleeing and stuff. Um, so I, I know think, Mike Watt is a huge James Worthy fan, but was he a James Worthy fan in 1982? Because James Worthy famously won the national championship for UNC in 1982. I think Mike Watt came to James Worthy through the Lakers. Okay. I think he right. got into James Worthy when Worthy was playing for the Lakers. Okay. And Watt would mention him in, in interviews and stuff. And I think we went to go see him once and he had a huge picture of James Worthy on yeah. his base, right? Yeah. He was like okay. really – and he was stoked to be in North Carolina, yeah. home of James Worthy. Right. That's right. You know, I saw something on Twitter the other day, which I know nobody's supposed to be there, but I still am. And somebody said, post a athlete jersey number that represents your age. And of course, I'm 51 right now. And I don't know any athletes that have the number 51. But all of a sudden it hit me that this year is my worthy year. 52. 52. James Worthy was 52. Wow. He also kind of always seemed like he was 52. Yeah. That beard. You remember when James Worthy graduated and then he came back and he did a commercial for like NCNB Bank or something or like CCB Bank or something? It's him at an ATM and he's using his card and then he turns to the camera and says something like, it's always nice being back home. My mom cried at that commercial. She loved James Worthy so much. That commercial made her. I mean, she did, she was oh a God, soft touch when it came to commercials. That commercial, I don't remember that commercial at all. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It must it's James Worthy NCAA. using an ATM talking about a local bank and saying how nice it is to come back home. A real tearjerker, according to my mom. Yeah, it was probably NCMB. You remember NCMB's um, CCB was, we'll help you find a way. NCMB was, NCMB. We're going to be the best bank in the neighborhood. Remember that? <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. That's real and, good. And now they're Bank of America. All right, let's move on. All right. Noel writes in, I'm listening to the latest episode and I am loving the Hollywood segment, especially hearing David talk about the fabulous film Maestro. I'm a huge fan of David's episode on the Blank Check podcast on the movie Spirited Away. I've listened to it countless times. A great discussion on a great film. The six stars and the follow-up email at the end just always get me. I'm curious if either David or John have seen the new Miyazaki film, The Boy in the Heron. Well, I have not seen it. Have you heard of it? I have not heard of it. I loved Spirited Away. Have you seen Spirited Away? Yeah. So you know who Miyazaki is, the yeah. great Japanese animation director. I saw The Boy in the Heron. I think I would want to see it again before I would say anything about it. I spent 80% of the movie being like, well, this is definitely Miyazaki AF. Like, he's definitely doing his thing. I didn't find it overwhelming the way I find Spirited Away, like, overwhelming. But I would like to see it again. It felt... Uh, although apparently it's like the most expensive Japanese movie ever made. Cause you know, they still do it the old way. It's hand, it's hand drawn animation. It felt much more spare to me than spirited away. 
if that makes sense. There was more emptiness in the movie, I think, psychologically and visually. And I think it uh, wasn't quite what I was expecting, but I would definitely see it again. I mean, he's he's got to say Miyazaki is definitely goaded. He's the, he's the greatest to ever do it, right? Right. We have a bird recording from a listener in Florida. John, let's give that a whirl. There's all these birds in the bamboo behind my house. I should know what kind of birds they are because I live here, but I don't. Somebody will. EPM? What kind of birds are these? we're back and we're done election profit makers is an independent production we welcome your support on patreon at patreon.com slash election profit makers and if you sign up for patreon you'll receive some wonderful epm stickers in the mail and you'll also get an invite code to our private discord Please send your election prediction questions, skyline requests, bird recordings, whatever else, to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Fare thee well, sweet listeners. We'll see you on the by and by. Bye bye. Carolina cities, Carolina towns, banks in every neighborhood. All around, so with